in a world. Come with me if you want to live. Just tell me one thing, Burke. Gotta get out of here, Prano. I got a stage five clinger. You're going out there to destroy the FBI. Your father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes. Oh, you just said a mouthful there. He saved 800 lives. But the world will know him as Superman. I'm just gonna bash your brains. You can be damn sure we'll avenge it. Hey, bros. It's the Coming Soon cast with Sean and Vito. Where we discuss and digress about upcoming movie trailers. Coming soon, Cass. That's us. Back again. I know. And when you say again, we're talking like a long again. It's <laughs> been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. We've, get, we've, had, a, we've had some crazy, crazy time off. We got some crazy COVID going on. And I know what you guys are already thinking. The listeners are like, first and foremost, wait, what? <laughs> wait, who are you wait, guys? Wait, who is this? Who are these jack jackholes again? Yeah, that's right. I, that's us. I thought I unsubscribed to this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did I get an update? <laughs> <laughs> Just like, when you thought you got rid of us. That's right. We're back again. And they're like, yeah, you've had like three months of COVID. Why haven't you been making a lot of these? Well, right? you know, <laughs> we're figuring it out, folks. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> Nobody comes to us because we're professional folks. That's Come right. on. That's right. <laughs> we have been super socially distancing. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. So much. Uh, well, I've been social distancing from my microphone. That's how <laughs> that's how freaked out I am. <laughs> um and yeah, it's a good quick shout out to Ricardo for introducing us to this uh Zencaster. Yes. Uh which is actually allowing us to do this. Uh, live on tape, on tape, separately, <laughs> right. but equal. Separate, but right. equal. Yeah, yeah. We're <laughs> definitely more than six feet apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more like six miles, or at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least. <laughs> We're social distancing in a way that Vito does, uh, uh, distances himself with uh, years. <laughs> yes, yes. I keep myself 10 years apart. <laughs> Yeah, and totally. six miles away. And six miles. <laughs> <laughs> nice, oh, nice. Oh my goodness. So Ooh. yes, you'll have to excuse. There's gonna be a little rust here, shaking it off a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's no rust. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, but there's been a lot going on, guys. Um, a fair amount, and obviously too much to go into it in one podcast alone. But yeah. Yeah. Um. Since the downtime and uh, COVID, I hope everybody's being safe out there. Wear your face masks out in public, folks. Let's keep this virus from destroying the whole world here. Um. And uh, but we've had a couple people reach out to us in the meantime, uh, via our email and everything. Um. Specifically, a producer of a documentary. Uh, he introduced us to his doc, sent us the trailer. We watched it and we went, oh, all right, yeah. And then he was nice enough to have an interview with us. So uh, we did that, not necessarily on air. We did it off air, but we recorded it and we brought it here for you. Yeah, so his name is Bobby Parmar. He is the Darden School of Business professor and producer for the documentary entitled Fishing with Dynamite. Uh, which is now streaming on Apple TV and iTunes. And he also co-authored uh, the book, The Power of And, 
So this is a very interesting doc, essentially about capitalism and how it's essentially kind of gone bad and how they think in this doc, they propose that we can bring it back to what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So uh, very interesting doc. Yeah. Uh, and he was a great guest. So you can be the judge for yourself when you hear it. Right, right. So uh, this clip here is uh, our interview with uh, Bobby Parmar. So we have a, a, a kind of a special segment uh, for everyone. Yep. Uh, we're very excited. We have a, a special guest. We will get into trailers a little later, but right now we have a very special guest who has... Uh, his own documentary out right That's now. That's right. Yep. Uh, he is the Darden School of Business professor and producer for the documentary Fishing with Dynamite, which is now streaming on iTunes and other all other streaming places, I believe, uh, and co-author of the book The Power of And. Please welcome Mr. Bobby Parmar to the show. Hey, Bobby. Hi, Hello. How are you doing? <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for joining oh, no, us. It's, yeah, it's great to have you. Uh, you know, your, your, um, your PR guy reached out to us and we were super excited to, to hear from him. And then obviously to get the, uh, to get the scoop on this, this documentary. Um, well, so I guess before we get into the doc, let's just get a little bit about you. If you just kind of give us like the the cliff nose version of, of, of yourself. Right. Yeah, totally. So I'm a professor here at the Darden School of Business, where I teach business ethics and organizational behavior. Uh, my training is in social psychology and moral philosophy, and I work with MBA students, companies, and executives on solving a whole bunch of thorny people problems. You know, I'm a big believer that organizations are communities of human beings first. Mm. And to the degree mm -hmm. that we can we can help business as an institution be a place where people thrive and communities thrive and society thrive, I think that businesses have a lot of power in our society, and we need to use that power for responsible, sustainable ends. So then we shouldn't just be going for the money first. Is that what you're saying? Well, you know, <laughs> that's exactly right. You know, yeah. People think business is all about the money. There's this idea that business people are you know, greedy little bastards who will do anything. And I think that's true. There are some folks like that. You know, nobody wants to deny those cases or apologize for negative business behavior. And right. I don't think they should get to speak for the whole institution. Mm, they should right. not get to represent what business as a institution can do. I think the best or the folks who are doing their best, you know, because we're all human and we make mistakes. Sure. But sure. folks who aspire to the best should get to speak for the institution. Uh, I love that. I love yeah, that. Uh, I love that too. It, you know, that was like probably the probably the biggest takeaway that I got from the documentary. What's what we're just going to get into now um, was that whole you know idea of like there used to be a time when you know morality and ethics were were just ingrained with business like that. It wasn't a separate thing. I, I think one person. Uh, what I think it was the. Uh, the CEO or former CEO of Container Store said, you know, you shouldn't have a, a certain, certain code of ethics for your personal life and then a different one for business, right? And like, I, that really stuck with me. And I, I think a lot of people do, unfortunately, in our kind of like greedy world, I think a lot of people do, do separate the two. Like, well, this is how I act in real life. But then when it comes to business, you know, bottom line is bottom line. 
And I think that what happens there is people um, people underestimate the degree to which things like reputation, mm, trust, mm. all of those things are connected to the bottom line too, right? And so right. when we when we think about our relationship with our employees, when we think about our relationship with communities, those things actually determine the bottom line just as much as you know the mechanics or the the physics of money. When you think about how how money flows, you know a great study that my colleague at Wharton conducted is really fascinating in this regard. So he and his colleagues were studying studying mines and in particular gold mines, like mining companies, and looking at their stock price. And for a long time, mining companies would look at three variables to know whether they should you know mine in a particular area. They'd say, what's the market price of gold? What's the cost of extraction? And how much gold do we think is in this particular region? And you you do the math, and if it's positive, you dig. But what, what my colleague did was he and his team looked at all of the media mentions of any particular mine or any particular mining company. So this is, oh, mining company X is coming into our community. We're worried about the environment or people are excited about jobs. And they coded every media mention of these mines mm. for indicating a positive or negative stakeholder interaction. Negative if the local government was worried about what it would do to the environment. Positive if people were interested and excited about job creation. And it turns out that when they they looked at the relationship between those positive and negative stakeholder relationships and the stock price of the mine, mining companies, the positive relationships were worth two times the price of the gold coming out of the mine. Oh, wow. Mm, wow. Because you think about it, if a local community doesn't want you in their in their backyard, what are they going to do? They're going to hold up issuing your permit, your bleeding cash. Right. That's yeah. all that's happening. And I think you know, a lot of business leaders can be myopic and only look at what's happening on the balance sheet or the income statement and not realize how their reputation, how the trust in the community impacts those variables. Mm -hmm. And more and more folks, I think, are realizing that and trying to manage to those relationships. Right. Um, yeah, no, that that's that's it's all very interesting to me. Um, one of the one of the things is uh, one of the kind of the topics of the doc, uh, which, again, I want to call is fishing with dynamite. So let, let's let's talk about that title for a second. Uh, why don't can you get into that a little bit and like why yeah. you chose that to be the title? The line comes from uh, one of the folks in the film. Her name is Lynn Stout. She was a former faculty member at the Cornell Law School. Lynn passed away last year. Oh, wow. Wow. And she is a leading uh, leading light in the field. Her People are still trying to catch up to her work. She's an amazing individual. And she uses this line that, you know, companies uh, are like fishing with dynamite. And what that means is that we're doing crazy things to boost up short-term profits at the expense of our long-term viability. So if you're trying to fish, you might throw a stick of dynamite in the lake and catch a bunch of fish. It might work the first time, but the second, third, fourth time you do that, you're degrading the lake and fishing doesn't become a sustainable enterprise anymore. Mm, and right. she contends that we're investing with dynamite. We're doing a whole bunch of things in our organizations and in our economy to boost up short-term profits at the expense of long-term value creation. That means investing in our communities, paying people a fair wage. All of these kinds of things have an impact on the ability of an organization to endure in the long-term. And the sad thing is that you know the, the statistics show that public companies are living longer, or sorry, living shorter and mm. shorter. So mm. it used to be the public companies would be around for 50, 60 years. That number is shrinking every year. It's now wow. less than 10 years. Wow. Public company CEOs are only around for two to three years. You don't have senior executives 
who are there for 10, 15 years looking after the long-term welfare of the company. Wow. And all, wow. Of, all of these kinds of metrics you know, prevent us from having organizations and businesses that benefit their stakeholders, their employees, their customers, their suppliers, and their shareholders, uh, and making our society better. And it's something that I think is achievable, but there are a lot of obstacles in the way. Right. Right. So, so one of the things is stockholders versus stakeholders. Yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be one of my questions. Yeah. So, all right, well, go ahead, Vito. Take it then. Well, I, I, you know, one of the one of the the things about the documentary that I actually enjoyed it because we're so saturated today with this talk of you know what uh, uh, shareholders being part owners to a company, and I think it was really great that the documentary really kind of said, hang on a second, <laughs> let's define that a little bit better. What's the difference, you know, between a, uh, a stakeholder and a shareholder? Um, and can you can you get into that uh, yeah. a, a little bit for our listeners? Absolutely. That's a great question, Vito. So, you know, uh, for a long time, American companies didn't really care very much about their shareholders. And it's, it's really funny. If you look at the 1971 letter uh, from the CEO for GE, he pledges to renew their efforts to engage with the forgotten shareholder. And mm. shareholders are, are folks who have in some form or fashion made it a financial investment in the firm. And there's lots of different classes of stocks, which means there's lots of different classes of shareholders. Some stocks allow shareholders a vote in how the company runs itself, its policies, mm -hmm. and particularly its leadership. But lots of stock doesn't doesn't allow you to do any of that. All it allows you to do is to buy and sell and trade the stock. So stakeholders are different than stockholders because they have a stake in the way the company runs. These are your employees, your customers. They are affected by the company and can affect the company's uh, mission and its ability to achieve that mission. Stockholders are stakeholders too. They're nested within that category because financial resources, the support of your investors is absolutely necessary. And for a long time in American companies, senior leaders would think about these groups together. They'd think about you know, the, their impact on their shareholders or their stockholders and employees and customers. But it wasn't until you know, the late 60s and early 70s where there started to be a movement where American companies were paying more and more attention to their shareholders or stockholders and less and less attention to their employees and their customers. Mm. And that's, that's a direct consequence of World War II. Post-World War II, American companies were the only game in town. We were supplying the world with goods and services and products because many of the other uh, economies were crippled by the effects of World War II or not at the point where they were industrialized enough to, to have that global impact. And so post-World War II, American companies were what we call conglomerates. They were these large organizations. If you think about RJR Nabisco, which was one of the most famous conglomerates. They made cigarettes and they made cookies. It makes no sense. <laughs> why, why, why these two things would be together, right? But there were these right. huge conglomerates because American businessmen, and they were mostly men at that time, uh, believed that they had a responsibility to society to steward these organizations responsibly for society. So there these large, large conglomerates, and they they took care of their employees. And those times, you know, the wages of the top, you know, 1% and uh, the bottom 50% mostly moved together, right? As, mm. they got, uh, as they got richer, the folks who were doing the work got richer too. Right. When, when Germany and Japan and a couple of the other of these economies started to, to really grow, 
post-World War II, they were producing goods and services cheaper that were just as high, if not higher quality than American companies. There was a crisis of conscience. So in the late 60s and early 70s, the American economy started to stagnate. And a bunch of economists looked around and said, what can we do to make the American economy competitive again? Well, Mm -hmm. you know what these folks are doing? These executives are sitting on top of these large conglomerates. They're paying themselves a lot of money. They're paying their employees a lot of money. They're not trying to be competitive. So let's get them to try to be competitive. How do we do that? Let's get them to focus on their shareholders Mm -hmm. or their stockholders. Make more money. Don't worry about what you're doing for the community. Don't worry about what you're doing for your employees. Just make more profits. Right. So the intent behind this was, you know, laudable in the sense that you want American companies to thrive, but the way they ended up doing it actually ended up crippling American economy, the, you know, the way in which we deal with all our stakeholders right. over the long term. Yeah. So it wasn't until the, the late 80s, early 90s, actually it was 1993, when Bill Clinton signed a bill that allowed companies to deduct the the portion of what they paid their executives if what they paid their executives was tied to the share price. Mm. So executive compensation for a long time was not actually tied to the share price, but today it is for a majority of folks. And what that means is senior executives are more and more short-term oriented because they get paid when the short when the stock price goes up. But if something happens to the stock price and they cash out in two years, right. they're fine. Yeah. 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 Well, it's it's like then like this stock option way equals then stock obsession right yeah right right. like you know it's it it, to me it's 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 like there's no checks and balances anymore right like it's all it's all based on one thing now and it's and it's all the biggest thing too i see with all this stuff is how much money is enough right you know know, like like how much that's then that's the thing like how much money do you think you really need like why why can't we why can't it be more for everybody instead of all for me? Like, I just, I don't understand that. Like, how many houses, how many cars, like, when is it enough? And it, it seems like it never is. So, I mean, can you maybe speak, what do you think is behind it all? Because it's not about money in the end of the day for me, I don't think. I think there's well, something else. Yeah, I think I think there's something there, you know, like money becomes a vehicle to satisfying other needs. And people have needs for, for status, for respect, for... Uh, you know, for being relatively better off than their comparison set. And what ends up happening is your comparison set gets smaller and smaller. So you're sitting on $350 million. Somebody else is sitting on $352 million. And so you're like, no, 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 I I can't be, you know, worse off than this other person. Let me do what I can to accumulate more wealth. And right. Well, I mean, the psychological research on this is pretty clear, Right. Increased wealth does not make you happier past mm. a certain threshold. Right. The threshold changes year over year, but it's somewhere around $75,000 a year. If you can take care of most of your uh, needs when it comes to food and shelter, what ends up making you happier are things like your relationships, your ability to care for folks that impact your life, having autonomy and choice in what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. Those kinds of be belonging to a, a community that you care about. All of those things make a bigger difference to your happiness than increased wealth. But we've also have a narrative in society that more is better and accumulating more is better. Mm. And I think that's perverse. I think that there, there's diminishing returns to that. Right. But once you spent your life doing that, it's hard to change. Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, I, I love all this. And then uh, at one point, uh, one of the, one of the people in the doc, you know, he, he kind of compares money to red blood cells. He says, 
I need red blood cells to live, but my purpose is not making red blood, red blood cells. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it's interesting. I've, I've been saying this for a while, or I always to my wife, you know, that you have to have a purpose, right? People think like making money is a purpose, but it's not, you know? And I think especially in this, in this pandemic that we're in, people are really taking a hard look at like, what is my purpose? Because when I can't go to my like whatever job I have, who am I? And, you know, I can't when I can't distract myself with going to a bar or going to a restaurant or going to the park or whatever it is, you know, this is I know for me, I've definitely had to take a look at myself and say, wow, like, where do I fit in all this? Um, So I think that it's very interesting how money becomes kind of like the God, as it were, because it's a thing that like, oh, this is a concrete thing I can do, even though it doesn't really lead anywhere. Mm. What a great point. You know, it's an opportunity for all of us to reflect and think about, you know, fingers crossed when we when we do come back to something that resembles what we had before COVID. Mm-hmm. How should we come back? What does it mean? Uh, how should we spend our time in a way that's meaningful and effect, you know, effective? And just accumulating more wealth or, or accumulating more stuff isn't a compelling answer, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of folks are sitting there in their wealth and with all their stuff and they're still bored and they're still unhappy to your point. And we have, we have a limited time on this earth and to the degree that we can use our resources, our know-how and our skills to help our fellow human beings and at least minimize damage, right? I think the biggest problem with maximize shareholder value is that it leads to things that have huge externalities and damages on other people. Like it's one thing to harm others. It's another thing just to do no harm. And, have not a positive impact or not a negative impact. We we were, it's kind of a morbid joke, but one of the jokes as we were making this film is every other documentary, if you think about it, the villain of that documentary is a corporation of some way, shape, or form. If you care about whales, well, SeaWorld is bad. If you care about food supply, well, think about all these other companies that are poisoning the food supply. If you care about income inequality, there are companies that are not paying their employees well. Mm. And there are lots of things that corporations do that prevent us from dealing with income inequality, with sustainability. But no documentary addresses why that's the case. Why do we think that organizations are acting this way? Well, it has to do with their purpose and it has to do with the way they think about their responsibility to society. Right. So no matter what issue you care about, this is kind of the root cause of that. Mm. So Thinking about the the role of organi- business organizations in society, the purpose of business in society is important to solving whatever issue you care about, whether it's creating great jobs, saving the environment, taking care of particular um, rights, animal rights, women's rights, social justice, racial justice, all of those things organizations touch in one sh- uh, shape or form. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So just so we, so just so our listeners don't think that this documentary is necessarily all stern and drawn. There is some right. hope. There is some hope in this thing. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. And and you know we talk about you know you kind of highlight three companies: Whole Foods, the Container Store, and Costco as examples of of good capitalism, right? Yeah. So so maybe if you could talk a little bit about that, because when I think when we hear capitalism, because it's kind of been perverted over the years, it definitely has a negative connotation. I mean. Totally. The, the, the political environment now, I don't want to get into it, but it's, you know, capitalism is evil. Capitalism is bad. And I, but I think at the root of, of it, it's not. So, you know, like, like these companies are kind of examples of that. So could you maybe yeah. speak a little bit about that? 
Absolutely. You know, the funny thing is that the word capitalism was coined by Karl Marx, the, the biggest critic of capitalism. Nobody internal to capitalism has given it a name about what it's really about. It's not only about capital. Capital is just one form of value. There's lots of forms of value. When companies create products and services, they're doing a form of good. It's not the only form of good. They're helping people uh, with with things that they need, whether that's food, whether that's shelter, whether that's a convenience. There's lots of different kinds of value. And capital is one way in which we exchange that value. Capitalism is a system where we create things and we trade them with each other. Right. And we create value for each other by what we design and produce and how we trade it amongst each other. Capital is just one form of trade. It's not the only form of trade. But companies like the ones that you mentioned, Whole Foods, a container store, Costco, the film also looks at a smaller startup called Luke's Lobster. Yeah. Right, based, right. Based in Brooklyn and a much larger global conglomerate called Eastman, uh, originally a part of Eastman Kodak and now its own company. And these companies are not perfect. Nobody is saying that there aren't things that they can't do better. But their leadership teams and and the organization as a whole have committed themselves to creating value for their stakeholders, which means investing in helping your employees, taking care of your customers, mm-hmm. right? The Container Store is a company that has been for 17 years on the list of best places to work. Mm, right. They pay their employees really well. Costco is known for paying their employees incredibly well, considerably higher than the minimum wage. The minimum wage in our country is $7.25, $7.50. Something like that. Yeah. Costco is north of $15. And one of the interesting things is when you look at that compared, so about 10 years ago, if you were to compare a Sam's Club to a Costco, Sam's Club is paying minimum wage, $7. Costco is paying significantly more than that. It looks like Sam's Club is saving money, but actually it's not the case. When you look at the cost of turnover, because Mm. Sam's Club has a higher turnover, people are unhappy, they leave, there's a cost to that. So when you factor that cost in, a place like Costco has significantly lower turnover. It's in the single digits compared to a place like Sam's Club where it's, you know, north of north of 70% turnover in a year where employees are saying, I'm not happy, I'm going somewhere else. That's one piece. So if you look if you look at the cost of turnover they come out about even. But then on the other hand if you look at cost uh, the sales per square foot Costco comes out significantly ahead because happy employees are better at making customers happy. Right. And they're able to take care of their customers which increases their sales. And so when you look at just the the initial decision of what you're going to pay your employees if you think about saving money or increasing profits it, you might think it makes sense to pay them as little as possible. But example, companies like Costco show actually that's just penny wise and pound foolish. Investing in your employees can pay dividends in ways that you don't always expect. Mm. So all of the companies that we profile, again, they're not perfect. There's certainly things that they can do differently and improve on. They'd be the first ones to say that. Yeah. But these are all companies that have committed themselves to getting better. You know, mm-hmm. there's this sense in which because we don't trust business, there's a game that gets played that we call like saints and sinners. You know, companies try to paint themselves as saints. Oh, we would never do anything wrong. We're so responsible. And then the public at large tries to say, actually, no, you're a sinner. Here are the things that you're doing. You know, you're not paying your employees well enough or, you know, you're producing too much plastic or whatever that might be. And we are so quick to judge companies as either saints or sinners. Maybe it's a local mom and pop that you love to shop at. Well, they're a saint. Maybe they're not taking care of the environment. Mm. So 
the idea here is to get away from saints and sinners and saying, look, all companies have things that they can improve on. Let's get on with saying, what are the things that you're working on? What behaviors, what actual investments and strategies are laudable and what other ones can you improve on? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, and, and I think too, what, what people forget too, is that like, you know, when you go, go to a Whole Foods, like, you know, the joke is always whole paycheck, right? Like, right. oh, it's not, it ain't the cheapest, but, you know, you can go to Rouse or, you know, a local other place and get things cheaper. But what people forget, I think, is that you, it, there's like a, an effect on everything. You know, the reason Rouse is cheaper is because they're, they're paying their people probably less, right? right? And that's that thing of like, we all love that we can go on Amazon and get something for like 10 bucks that would, if I went to a store, it might cost me double. But right. there's, but there's, you know, everything has an effect. Nothing's free, right? So, right. I don't know, maybe, because the doc doesn't necessarily get into that too much, but like, could you maybe speak on that of like that thing of we all want everything cheap, but then we all want everybody to get paid as equally yeah, as well, that's right? right. It's, it's really hard to see what the externalities are of whatever goods or services you're purchasing. That's changing because I think more and more people care. So companies are responding by saying, oh, you know, the coffee that you just drank, it's fair trade. The farmer who farmed this coffee is getting paid a decent wage. The way we transported it uh, is using less carbon and less water. So when, when customers and consumers demand transparency in that supply chain, Companies actually follow through and say, look, let us show you that if you're willing to pay a little bit more, we can show you that what you're paying for isn't something that is done, isn't something that's created by degrading the environment or not mm -hmm. taking care of employees or cutting cor corners in some way, shape or form. But to your point, we don't always know. And so there's lots of organizations that are popping up to help people figure this out. In the age of the Internet, you can't hide mm. for very long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There yeah. Are there are stakeholders who are figuring out, actually, the coffee that you source here isn't sustainably sourced. These farmers aren't being paid well. Right. Employees are being able to say on websites like Glassdoor.com, hey, this company might have a great external reputation, but they don't actually treat their employees well. Here are the things that you need to know. So it's actually making it more compelling for companies to say, look, why am I going to try to hide all this stuff? Let me just, the best policy is just to be honest and fair and do my best to serve folks. That doesn't mean it's always easy. That doesn't mean sure. that you have to, you're not making difficult decisions or have to have difficult conversations because you have limited resources. But it does mean that transparency and honesty can be helpful. And yeah. I think it, there's a sense in which we, we'd like to pretend that, oh, if our companies are myopic and caring only about profit, well, maybe we'll make that up in our stock portfolio or our 401k. Turns out that it hits us there too. Mm. I think what's best for everyone is making responsible decisions that are sustainable, that are mindful of multiple stakeholders and the effects of your actions on multiple stakeholders. Right. That's good for us as customers. That's good for us as employees of large organizations. It's good for us as folks who share an environment and a society with these organizations. And mm. the surprising thing is it's better for us as actual shareholders, companies that have uh, that continually take care of their employees outperform competitors by somewhere between two and three percent. Oh wow! Companies that take care of the environment do better. They're like five to seven percent. If you look at some rigorous research by my finance colleagues at the London Business School, you know, as a psychologist and a business ethicist, people look at my research and they're like, "Yeah, okay, that's interesting from a psychological perspective, but show it to me. Show me the money." My finance colleagues do a much better job of convincing folks that this is a real thing. 
being responsible and being profitable are not at odds. In fact, what we're seeing is that they go together a lot more than we'd expect. So you're saying essentially it matters how you make the money. I mean, that's right. what the doc talks about, right? Yeah. Like it, it matters how you make the money. It matters how you right. make the money. Right. Uh, and, go for it. And that's that's one of the things that I enjoyed about the documentary, specifically talking about the container store uh, and kind of its origin. Uh, they do a nice job of talking about the origin, you know, uh, of the uh, owners there and just the philosophy behind it. And I, I think there's a I'm going to butcher the 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 quote necessarily. But, you know, they say uh, all of our uh, most of our employees are people that shop at the store mm. that appreciate the store, you know? Yeah. So we want to hire them because they're going to appreciate the product and be able to sell it, uh, you know, that much better, which ultimately at the bottom end is making more money for the company, you know, in a good way. That's right. And I think the other part of the story that doesn't get told is that, you know, making more money is also a vehicle to paying your employees more, right? taking care of society, investing in, in, social responsibility initiatives, right? you know, hey, thinking about the fact that your shareholders are folks who have invested in their retirement. You know, these are right. teachers and firefighters and um, postal carriers, all of whom are counting on a functioning long-term economy that they put their hardworking money into savings and into the market to grow. And if we are short-termed about this, then we're harming lots of folks in ways that we might not even know. Mm. You know we look at the Deepwater Horizon disaster. Oh, right. Part of the reason that happened <clears throat> is that BP is trying to save money. They want to return more money to shareholders. So they're not replacing the couplings on this oil rig every day. They're supposed to replace them at a pretty frequent interval. And they cost like a million dollars to for the materials and for changing it. So to save this million dollars virtually every day, they they don't do it. They turn wow. a blind eye to that. They cut that corner, but it ends up costing over a trillion dollars of value for BP. Right. Right. Again, another example of being penny wise and pound foolish. Right. Right. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, this is uh, this is a very, uh, very intriguing documentary. You know, uh, we always joke that that I'm the doc guy. Vito's not necessarily the doc guy. Right. Right. Yeah. He, once I kind of twist his arm and make a watch it, he's always in. But, you know, I got to yeah. twist his arm sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, gravitate towards the doc. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm becoming more and more open to it because uh, just, just like, you know, just like uh, fishing with dynamite, you know, it, it highlights information that, A, you don't necessarily think about or as a consumer, you don't realize you're a part of, you know, mm. and – and also the fact that it's like, you know, now that I now that I've watched this doc, I'm going to be a little more conscious about where I shop and who I give my money to and where that ultimate end money is going to. Is it going back into the community? Is it going to a positive end or is it going to, you know, just another yacht for somebody <laughs> to to make themselves happy. You know, I don't I, I would rather have it go back into the community and into an employee that's working hard and deserves it and wants to live at that status. Like you said, the 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 not not the status where we're like, I'm so rich, I can afford anything, but I can live my life and I can support my friends. I can support my family. I can support myself mentally and in uh, good health. And I can wake up every day and feel good about what I'm doing in this world, you know, in the short time that we have on this world, like you said. Yeah. No, I think that's great. 
you know, these assumptions, we all kind of, we take them in and we take them from granted, right? They come to us from media, they come to us from our friends and family, and we just go through life thinking, oh yeah, business is just about making money. And hmm. what's fascinating, when I talk to a lot of business leaders, they're actually quite sad that their kids don't want to pursue a career in business. Right. It's kind of interesting, right? So senior executives will say, you know, I spent my life in this organization or building this company and my daughter would never consider going into business. And that mm. hurts. It mm. hurts that uh, there is a generation of really bright individuals who are growing up and, and learning and they don't see business as a vehicle for doing good in the world. Mm. Business is a powerful vehicle for doing good in the world. Imagine if, you know, when Walmart decided to to take environmental sustainability seriously, they made a big impact, right? Right. If Coke decides to do something about water and water rights, they can make a huge impact. And many of the students who come to a place like Darden come because they have high ideals. They've worked at a NGO or a nonprofit. And they end up saying, look, I care about these issues, but if I go back, I'm going to be scraping for resources and I won't be able to move the needle. What they end up doing is working at large organizations with their values of caring about the environment or, you know, taking care of employees. And they use the resources of those large organizations to make a bigger impact. Mm. Mm. I like that. So almost kind of, you know, getting, using the system for good instead of evil. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love it. That's Love incredible. It. Um, so let's just quickly, uh, before we let you go here, Bobby, let, let's talk a little bit about your book, The Power of Anne. Could yes. you just Get into that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the book is a good companion to the film. So the film, you know, like any any documentary or any general film, you have a limited amount of time. So we can introduce a bunch of ideas and help the audience kind of understand them. But the, the book goes into further detail. So it's a book of examples of companies that are, are doing their best to do this and best practices. And the, the central thesis of the book is that companies are not making a trade-off between stakeholders and shareholders. They're not making a trade-off between purpose and profits or society and markets. The best companies are finding ways for economics and humanity to go together. They're not just saying, all we have to do is focus on humans, forget about economics. Or they're not saying that the only thing that matters is the money, forget about humans. Right. They're seeing how these things interconnect. And so the book really takes a historical perspective. It shows us how we got here, how these assumptions became entrenched in business practice, and how they're actually being changed by companies who are subverting those expectations and doing very different things to create value for their stakeholders. Mm, so it's okay. a nice companion, it, you know, particularly if you work at a company and you're interested in saying, okay, like this sounds good to me. I'd like to know about how I can do this or steps I can take. The book is a great resource for that. Oh, that's interesting. That's and, great. And is, that, is that available? Like, where can we get that? on Amazon right now. It's called The Power of And, co-authored by my close friend and mentor, Ed Freeman, who's also in the film, and our and our co-author, Kirsten Martin, who's now at the University of Notre Dame. Uh, it's a great doc. It's super fascinating. Yeah. Um, uh, much like Vito said, you know, it's easy to kind of blame big business for all this stuff, but we have a part in it as well because we're the consumer. Right. And so I, I like that this has now made me more aware of where I'm putting my money uh, just, you know, and make you have that one extra thought in the process instead of just, okay, I'm just going to buy this thing or whatever it is. Um, so thank you so much for, for being on, Bobby. Yeah, thank you, Bobby. Um, my pleasure. Thank you all for your great questions and engagement. You know, when we produced a film, the point was to get people thinking about it, right? Yeah. You can agree, you can disagree, you can agree under certain conditions. But the point is that 
you know, being a part of a society together means we got to think about this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Fishing with Dynamite is available for streaming on all platforms, including Apple TV and iTunes. Go check it out. It's worth your time. And it's actually, it's only like 69, 70 minutes. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's nice and tight, you know, you're in and out and you, you got it down and then, then go get the book on Amazon. Right. And uh, start making some changes uh, in the world, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know we're going to be doing that. (laughs) Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Thank you again for coming on, Bobby. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me on. Like like we said, good interview. Uh, It was great having him on. Yeah, smart Uh, dude, man. Yeah, really smart. smart. Super smart. And uh, so definitely, guys, go check that out. Uh, Like we said, streaming on Apple TV and iTunes. uh, Fishing with dynamite very very cool doc yeah and then uh hit us up and tell us what you thought yeah but you guys didn't just come for that interview you came for what we normally do which is trailer review all right what do you say bro shall we get into some trailers let's do it our first trailer this evening veto is ava this is a action crime drama uh, Ava is a deadly assassin who works for the Black Ops or organization, traveling the globe, specializing in high-profile hits when a job goes dangerously wrong. She is forced to fight her own for her own survival. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're saying a, a brand new concept is what we're saying here. Yeah, no, I've never heard of this before. This sounds like good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we've had films that are similar to this. You know, we've got uh, we've got several different ones that come to mind right now. But I've never seen it with uh, Jesse Staines. Just saying. Jesse Staines. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be the worst uh, yeah. contraction ever. Unfortunately, yeah, that's, that's why I don't do that. <laughs> But like I think you're right. I've been saying it's like it is an awful way yeah. to start. <laughs> yeah, because how how else would you do it, bro? I mean, you're uh, the master. Yeah, I mean, whew. maybe J Chaz. You can do oh, like a J okay. Chaz. You, you know, made it cool. You, you just made, made it so cool. cool. Yeah. Right, like you can do that. But I I kind of like Jesse Staines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jesse Staines, it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we also got Collie Furls. Yep, Collie Furl for Colin Farrell. Absolutely, I like that dude. I yeah, think he's, I think he's pretty solid. He's always enjoyable to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jeannie Daves. Uh huh. For uh, Gina Davis, absolutely. I haven't seen her in a hot minute. Not a hot minute. That's funny. I was. I think of. It was funny. I think of Long Kiss Goodnight. Uh, oh right. That's a that kind was... of similar kind of vibe, right? Yeah. That she had a. That was her action kind of series, yeah, right? Her and Sammy yeah. Dax. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so. right. Yeah, yeah. She was super hot in that too. I remember. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She was. She was uh, strong woman it up before there was strong women in it up. <laughs> yeah, before me too. Yeah, she was. She was doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we got Johnny Malks. Yeah, John Malkovich. Absolutely. I just saw him in an interview the other night. I was like, that guy is an interesting dude, man. Yeah. Um, and then so, we've got actually Commons in this as well. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. What you think, bro? Uh, well, we're right in the zone of what most of these movies are like, right? You know, she's like, <laughs> she's like ready for anything. She's like... She almost puts James Bond to shame because she seems like she's even more ready than James Bond. 
<laughs> than James Bond is, you know. Uh, I will say it, it fell right into the line of what these movies are. So I kind of, uh, there's a lot of exciting things going on. It looks like it's a fairly interesting movie. Um, she goes in, she, bro, the side note, she goes in and out of being like really pretty and like really homely in this, in this trailer. Like, yeah, not that, yeah, that, yeah. Not that that's affecting anything as far as like, uh, yeah, she's uh, every right to do that. It's fine. It's just, I'm like, wow, her with a really long hair is really pretty for yeah. me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it didn't get interesting for me. Uh, really interesting for me until she and Colin Farrell was fighting. That's when I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Like right. everything else is kind of like, yeah, this is pretty standard of what they do in these films, you know? Right. Um, so I'm kind of excited, but not overly excited about this. Um, but I am excited about the players involved because I think they're all good. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure, sure. So, uh, how about you, bro? What'd you think? Um, yeah, it was just like, like, like you said, it's definitely like, it's all like, it's hitting all the right points and it's mm -hmm. all the right buttons, but I was never invested in any of it. Mm, um, okay. And, and I like her. I mean, I, I like her. I think she's good. Like I, yeah. especially like, uh, what was the one where she plays the, the money person? Oh like, yeah. Um, um, uh Molly's game. That's it. Molly's, Molly's game. game. She was great in Molly's she was game. Great in that. Uh I only liked her at Zero Dark Thirty as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, she was good in that as well. Yeah. You know, so I, I I like her. I mean, I think she's good. Right. Uh and I it's not it's not it just it just this was kind of generic for me. I yeah. was like, oh, okay, you know, of course she's like this killer badass. Nobody can touch her. You know, it's like it's like, is this Mission Impossible? Like you said, is this James Bond? Is this the born I you know what I mean? But like, is this Black Widow? I mean, you know, right? But I'm like, all those I'd rather watch before this. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Like, it just kind of it never brought me in really. Okay, it was, it was you know, obviously, I think like you said, like they're doing everything right. Yeah. Like, like obviously, the action's going to be good. It's going to be good fight scenes. But I'm just like, why are we making this movie? You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. What's different? Like, what's what am I supposed to be brought into? And is it just what have we not seen before? Yeah, and it's like if you're just trying to sell me on just because it's a woman, right? I mean, we've even seen that all. You know, we've seen this done with women too. Like, so I just, unfortunately, you know, again, it's not bad. It's just it. I never really got invested. Okay. You know, this movie's going to come and go, and it ain't going to be on my cue, friendo. All right. <laughs> you're not going to um, go to the movie theaters for this. <laughs> nope. I'm not going to, uh, it's not, if it's on Netflix, whatever, whatever streaming it's on, it'll yeah. kind of come and go. And Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm not trying to dog on it. I just was like, I just, I, I've already forgotten it. Like right. that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and the fact that it didn't show Gina Davis, like to me, oh. that was a negative. I'm like, that might've maybe brought me in because that could have, that could have led us somewhere interesting. Right. It's, it's probably like, I'm like this, like, okay, what is it? Is it, is it, is she her mom? Maybe. You know, right. like uh, that she didn't know about or this weird, you know, what I mean, is she is she an older version of herself? Kind of, you know, what I mean, this whole is she an old spy that's going to be like in right. the woods and a cabin in the woods by herself. And, you know, what I mean, like that whole move we like to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen a glimpse of of Gina Davis. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. 
Sure. I, here's how I think this is going to go. You'll yeah. probably end up watching it when it comes on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. And then and then you'll tell me like, yeah, you're probably you're good, bro. Yeah, you're good. Don't. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna like this. You know. Right. Right. Yeah, I'll see. I'll see it at the Red Box before you even care about the Red Box. You know. Right. 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and that's exactly what this is going to fall into. This will fall into that that whole realm of like, uh, all right. But it won't be my first red box choice. At, you know, it'll be, right. it'll be I'll be at the red box a couple times over a couple of weeks before I finally go. All right. Tonight's an Ava night. I'll check it out. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. Love it. Yeah. So what do you think, bro? What, what are you going to give this? Uh, I'll give it a three. OK. You know, it's a three. It's fine. Yeah. Like, again, there's nothing wrong. Right. I just. It's just kind of like, yep, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, see you next time, you know. Um, <laughs> right. You no, know, it, just, it just kind of goes. And it's interesting, you're, you're right, because it is a pretty stellar cast. Yeah. Like, it wasn't cheap to make either. No. Um, but it's funny how this can ha- like this happens, and it's just, it's just the nature of, of, of all these things that, like, right. you know, you, you don't know how it's going to turn out. You know, you think, oh, this looks good on paper, and it's like, yeah, I mean, you know, again, like I think it's fine. It's just, I'm, 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 I'll never see it. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a three for me. What about you? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this a solid three. I think it's, I think it's doing, it's definitely doing its job. Sure. Uh, it, it, it piqued my interest a little bit, not that much, but uh, just enough for me to be like, oh, okay. Uh, I might want to check that out. Um, like I said, mainly it's that fight between Colin Farrell and her. That's where I think they've really highlighted something there. Uh, right. But other than that, I think, like you said, it just falls right into the same zone of what we've seen before. And I've yet to really see what makes this different than those other films. You yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a solid three for me. All right. So Ava gets a three from Shawnee. And a solid three from Vito. Our second trailer tonight, Sean, is... Kajillionaire. Kajillionaire? Not Kazillionaire. Kajillionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Which one's bigger, bro? Which one's bigger? (laughs) Uh, I think this is... (laughs) I think you're right. <laughs> I want we'll to ask. We'll have to ask Kanye because I'm sure he's he's probably both. So oh we'll yeah, yeah. Kanye, which one? Which well, one's he's, bigger? He's passed one to get to the other. So uh... yeah, yeah. <laughs> let me just text him quick, and then I'll I'll let you know in a minute. Oh, okay. It's like that. All right. You oh got yeah, it. yeah. I got it like that. Definitely. <laughs> uh, this is a comedy. Yes. Uh, I wouldn't say dark comedy. Well, it's funny. Yeah. They have it as a crime drama, but it's like a uh. dark comedy crime drama. Yeah. Uh, a woman's life is turned upside down when her criminal parents invite an outsider to join them on a major heist they're planning. Oh, interesting. Uh, that's that's a very... It's funny because I guess... Oh, I guess that's what's literally happening. Right. But that's not what this movie's about. No, like, no, not at all. Um, uh, quick, we have, uh, ooh, three namer, bro. Three oh, namer. Yeah, yeah. That's you. Uh, every Rachie Woods. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. Okay. All right. Uh, Jeannie Rods. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For, uh, Gina Rodriguez. Mm hmm. 
And wow, bro, haven't seen her in a minute. Debbie Wings. Yeah, for a Deborah Winger, yes. And, you know, this guy might be... He's definitely on the list of my new favorites, especially after this trailer. <laughs> right. Uh, Richie, you know, no one say Dickie Jenks. There you go. Dickie <laughs> Jenks. <laughs> I, think you, I think you made the two older people in this sound like porn names now. I, but, uh, I totally did. Dickie Jenks. Yeah. Stop, stop Jenkins in public. Yeah. All right. right. <laughs> That's for Richard Jenkins. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that guy's solid. Like, he's been around forever, and he's always... He's one of these guys who just always works. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. But I feel like, you know, in the past like maybe five years, he's kind of he's like he's kind of stepped up in the in the in the stratosphere. Oh, okay. Uh, and you know, he's like starring as opposed to, you know, coast, you know, or stars, you know, being a second or third tier guy. He's yeah, a yeah. first tier guy now. Yeah. Um yeah. Uh, and we also this is a writer director. Oh yes. Uh Miranda July. Uh, is her name? That's funny. I'm looking. I don't know any of these. Yeah, uh, I don't know anything. Either. Anything. It's a, some short stuff, and um, but yeah, this is uh, oh, interesting. So she's a performance artist oh. and published short story writer. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay, that that kind of explains this story a little bit. You well, definitely the the style of the yes. film. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. And maybe all why there's all these pink bubbles coming in all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, what'd you think, bro? Uh, I'm in, bro. I'm in. This is weird and quirky, mm-hmm. but in like the best way for me. And I think it's funny, too. Like the older I get, I think the more I'm in for stuff like this uh-huh. because, well, one, it's taking a swing, right? Sure. And I, I like that it's taken a swing, but two, like it's, it's about these people and it's, it's character driven. Obviously there is a plot going on, like we right. read, but like, that's not what it's about. You know, it's about these people and like the kind of absurdity of their life. Right. These kind of like small time crooks who have kind of raised their daughter to also be a small time crook. And it's like this whole world thing of like, just like scheming off of the top of, of everything of right. life almost right like yeah. skimming off of the top of life is almost like the catchphrase for this movie yeah um and like what kind of person you are if you do that you know like never wanting to just have a job or do things legit like always looking for an angle and yeah. you know not to this extreme necessarily but i think we all know people that are like always got an angle on something you know you're like yep. Why don't you just put that energy into doing something legit, man? You know, instead right, of always right. trying to beat the system or whatever it is. And totally. Um, but then to see it like as a family, like that's definitely a new kind of twist on this for me. Um, and especially because I, they're, you know, like you look at them, you're like, these guys couldn't pull anything off, you know? Right. And then here they are, they're kind of doing it. So, so that definitely my initial thoughts on this is I am definitely in. Yeah. What about you, bro? Uh, yeah, I'm in too. This is like you said. I, I I'm starting to, as I get older, appreciate more of these indie kind of um, these indie kind of uh, films that are just really taking a swing and and kind of going back to what we were talking about in the first trailer, which is like you know this is not the first time we've seen a heist film, so to say. <laughs> right. You right. know what I mean? Uh, I I I'm air quoting. Not that anybody can see that right now because. 
you know, this is a this is a heist film, but it's not really. It's a character driven family drama hidden within a heist film. And it's quirky and weird and arty and kind of driven in a way that really is interesting rather than art for art's sake. And like, look how cool I am. You know how some of these indie films are is like, I'm doing art for art reasons and you should just be floored by the artistic view on this. And it's like, no, I hate it now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You know, and this is like, no, we're talking about a family and how that's affecting everybody in the family and this new person that's involved. And that's interesting to me. And it's set in this weird kind of world. And I love it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it, it it's nothing but captured uh, my attention. I definitely want to see this um, and understand everything that I'm seeing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, right. I mean, that whole wall of like pink bubbles. I'm like, what is that all about? Like, right, yeah, yeah, like is that actually happening, or is that somebody's crazy dream, or right, whatever it right. is? Right. Yeah, is that reference? Yeah, it's a big metaphor for something. But you know, sure. I'm definitely I'm definitely in for seeing what that means. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, like you're. I would agree. Like this, this doesn't come off as pretentious. It, it no. comes off as like uh, quirky, weird, artistic, but like in, in the best way. Right. Uh, it, it almost has like a you know, almost like a Wes Anderson vibe going on here. Kind right? of. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think whatever. Like like Royal Tannenbaum's kind of comes to mind. Totally. You know, like this weird family. Like what what's going on? We're not sure. Um, but even actually, I would say even I, I think it's almost even more grounded. Than, than maybe a Wes Anderson sometimes, you know, because sometimes he oh, can get sure. a little, he, he, oh, he pushes, can get out there. He pushes the limit of like, uh, now we're pretentious, right? Right, like, right, so, yeah. Um, so I, I'm with you. I, I like that this, you know, I, I, you feel like you're kind of a fly on the wall to this uh-huh. family, you know, uh-huh. which, which, which I'm digging. Um, uh, and I think everyone's doing a good job. You know, it's funny, Evan Rachel Wood, like I, I love her in Westworld. I mean, she's mm-hmm. been around for a minute. But like I think she's so good in Westworld. Like this, right. she's so like ice cold. But you know, and uh, so then to see her kind of, and then she's kind of doing a almost like a voice, almost like you know, like she's a dude in a weird way. Like it's kind <laughs> right, of, kind of interesting. Um, and I mean, again, Deborah Winger, I haven't seen her in a hot minute. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm sure she's been working, but like you know, it's just like she's just not a name I've heard in a, in a while. So uh, no, uh-uh. I'm excited for that. And then of course. Richard Jenkins, I think he's just, you know, every time he's on screen, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. I'm good. Right. Right. All right. So what do you give it, bro? Uh, I'm going to go strong three on this one. Mm. This one's really kind of grabbed my attention. Uh, there was something, you know, uh, uh, something I didn't mention before is that there's this warmth to the trailer. Yes, even in Even in this dark comedy, there's this warmth there of like, oh, like we're going to I'm going to walk away with something after this movie, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. and that does nothing but pull me in even more. So, yeah, I'm in, man. This is a strong three for me. I can't wait to uh, see where it's going to go. Obviously, we're going to probably hit a streaming service of some kind on this, but uh, or even maybe it's straight to Redbox at this point. Who knows? But I'm in. How about you, bro? It's funny. I was. I was leaning towards that, but now when you say the warmth, you brought that in. Oh, I think, I think it's. But I'm going to go four on this, bro. Wow. Okay. I'm going to go four, and here's why. Okay. Yeah. This is an indie movie 
now granted, we know the players, but I don't yeah. know this director, you know, and you know, this is like an indie dark comedy. And I'm right. in like a hundred, like I would watch this like after the podcast if I could, like if oh, it was yeah, available. Just hit, just hit stream and go. Yeah. Like I'm, I, I got, you know, it was like almost the opposite of my feeling for our first trailer where I was just like, I was just kind of yawning almost. And then for this, I was like, I was in from the minute it started. I was oh, like, wow. oh, this is, oh, I'll, I'll, this is right. My, this is my jam. Like, oh, okay. I'm gonna, this is going to be fun. I'm going to dig this. Nice. Uh, it also gets, I think, points because I think the wife will definitely be in too. So, oh yeah, you know, I can see her liking this. It, it won't be a thing of like, do we have to watch this, Sean? It'll be like, oh, Sean, we're watching this, you know. So, right, um, right. So yeah, yeah, I, I I'm in. I, it's a four for me, man. Okay, all right. So, Kajillionaire gets a strong three from Vito, and a four from Shawnee. Our third trailer this evening, Vito is Game Master. I, I didn't say what your uh oh wow that just didn't work at all okay <laughs> uh, I, I tried to make a joke and it just did this got stuffed yeah yeah but you know what this is bro oh yes it's a documentary been a minute since we did that <laughs> yes sir uh so this documentary uh, it's a deep dive into the world of thriving board game industry and the creators behind popular games. Yes. Uh, and we should also say that this was uh, brought to our attention. Yes. By a f- former guest of the podcast. Yes. Yeah. He's been a former guest, but oh, he yeah. is an official documentarian. Uh, yes. Uh, he is the one who brought us barista yes uh, from a couple years ago that's uh, right and you know he was like such a such a great cat or a guest i should say yes um and reached out to us and said hey i got a new doc check out the trailer so uh here we are checking it out that's right absolutely um oh and i guess we should give him a shout out with his actual name <laughs> oh yes that might be nice that might be yeah. nice yeah yeah uh that's jimmy Wynn. Uh, executive producer on this particular documentary, Game Master. He kind of steals it because I was like, "How do we Jimmy wins?" It's like, oh, oh come yeah. on! Yeah, he steals it. <laughs> I guess we got to go. Jay win. Jay, Jay wins. Oh Even yeah, then, Jay he wins. Steals, he kind of steals it either way you do it. He so. does. He does in the uh, best possible way. I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, what you think, bro? Hey, man, I, I there was, you know, uh, this is kind of beating a dead horse, so to say. I, I'm not a big doc guy, yeah. Uh, even though I think I might have to start to rescind that statement because I'm starting to like more and more of them. <laughs> <laughs> I just you gotta know. twist your arm a little for you to actually watch. Yeah, yeah. It. It, it's kind of like cauliflower. Uh, I actually kind of like cauliflower now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow, I love that you have. Have you made the comparison between documentaries and cauliflower? That's great. Well, you know, it's it's kind of similar for me. You know, you go, oh, yeah, it's there. I don't necessarily have to eat it. <laughs> but if somebody puts it on my plate, okay, I'll give it a try. <laughs> now, does it have to have, like, the Velveeta cheese sauce for you to eat it? or It, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> give me a little, give me a little broil, get a little yeah. garlic and broil it, and then put a little cheese on it. Oh, and I'm I'm really enjoying it then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know it's funny. I've I've had like uh, I'm actually kind of with you because cauliflower used to be just kind of bland for me. Yeah. And then, but when they broil it or they, oh, actually I've had a buffalo cauliflower. Oh, and, okay. And that, you know, that was actually uh, interesting. That was good. I, I dug that. Okay. Uh, All right. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. So, I'll have to try it. I don't think I've had that before. Yeah. It was this place we went, I went with the wife and it was like, oh, instead of getting wings, you know, you get a buffalo cauliflower. So it's like, oh. quote unquote, good for you. you know? Right. <laughs> quote, you know? you right. Know? Right. At least better than the fried chicken, I guess. But um, yeah. Anyway. Oh my gosh. So uh, anyway, getting back to the, we digress once again, yes. Yes, uh, yes. getting back to the documentary. Yeah. This is a good look, man. I mean, uh, the trailer's really well put together. Um, it threw some right at the top. It threw some facts out that I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right? Like I, like, it's like, what'd they say? A $6 billion industry or something like that. I, I know. I was like board games. What? Yeah, I was like, what? I mean, I got a couple on the shelf, but when's the last time I played them? I don't know. Uh, it's been a minute. So, um, but yeah, man. And then, oh, bro, what was the one? What what that one guy say? Said so they did a uh, uh, GoFundMe. And oh yeah, they were for they were just grand. yeah yeah for he grand and, grand. and hit it in seven minutes. Like, right. oh my wow. gosh, that's crazy. Um, but going past just the, those shockers. It's kind of very interesting how they lay this out. And I never realized how much, especially this time where, you know, I mean, if, especially if you're a family, you're at home, you're looking, you know, you're being safe. You're, you're, you're looking for things for the family to kind of bond over. And, you know, board games is the perfect, perfect way of doing it. Um, I mean, I grew up playing board games with my family, so mm -hmm. there is definitely a nostalgia and, a, and uh, a little warmth in my heart for a board game. But I didn't realize how big it really is and how many people are really dedicating, not only just dedicating their lives to create something entertaining for someone else, but like uh, uh, the one girl is like, this was me getting out of my, you know, out of uh, me doing something for myself that was breaking the norm of what I was expected to do in my life, you know? Yeah. It was like almost a counterculture for her. Yeah. 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 So, um, and then also, you know, uh, to, to say that, you know, that what was the guy in his like twenties is like, yeah, I'm playing with like a 70 year old, you're playing the game with a 70 year old and she's in it. I'm in it. You know, it's like, it just kind of is like, Oh yeah, we can kind of connect as people this way. And, uh, like I said, we did it growing up all the time. So it definitely bonds you together. It makes you kind of use your brain and really communicate with people. And like, you know, and there's that challenge of like trying to win in there as well. So sure. yeah, this is, this is a good look, man. How about you? What'd you think? Uh, yeah, no, I, I would agree. I mean, it's interesting, you know, you talk about kind of it bringing people together and, you know, it, I was actually, I had I was full of hope from this trailer mm. in that because you, you you constantly are seeing how like you know video games right it's all about video games and right you know and then now you can kind of you can kind of you know be be online together and shooting each other and all that stuff and right. you know that's a huge huge industry yeah um, but it's what I kind of say too like that there's something very tactile about a board game right yeah like 
Yeah. Well, first of all, you know, I mean, like there's pieces you can touch. It's not a screen. Especially because I know, I know for me, and especially in this world of like everybody's on, you know, you talk to everybody through Zoom and stuff, like I'm screened out, bro. You know, right. like I like any excuse to not be on a screen and I'm in. Right. Um, and so this is a very kind of timely in a way. Like like you said, especially while everyone being home and it's like, yeah, I'm tired of watching Netflix. I'm, you know, as much as I love movies and stuff and like all that, like I've just, you kind of, you know, when, when, when you don't, when that's all you can do, it's, it's like anything, you're over it. Yeah. Um, so this, but, but then also being introduced to this world, cause like, you, cause I'm with you, you know, like back in our time, like it was like, there was like five board games, you know, it was like right. life, Monopoly, Parcheesi. <laughs> You know, like right, right. A while, so I mean, like I wasn't into, I wasn't a D and D guy, so that yeah, you know, that wasn't my jam, right. Uh, but it's funny because I, I, when I was home for Christmas last year, my sister in law had got this kind of crazy like b- board game. It was like Clue on steroids. Oh wow! And like, it, dude, it took us like it almost took us like 50, 20 minutes just to kind of figure out how to play. Oh wow! And then we ended up kind of like give it up like it was like <laughs> like it was like it's almost like too complicated so it's weird like much how like video games have gotten so kind of complicated i think i'm right. you know which you know obviously there's levels to all this stuff so you can get you know essentially your imagination is the limit and you can get really complicated right. and these things get really involved and you oh know, yeah games go on for like weeks and months and it's like oh my god this is insane so right right uh, exactly but I, I i do like i like the kind of the behind the scenes of it too and you know, like, what does it really take to make a board game? Like, you don't think about that. No. You no. know, you just go to the shelf and there it is. And then it's like, you know, how many years of people's lives have gone into, to, you know, to making this? So I'm I'm very, like, this is the kind of stuff, and I think we're both similar in that, like, we can get into the details. I'm like, wait, what did you have to do? Like, like, how did you make that? Like, you know, what made you think of that? And, like, how does that translate to a piece on the board? You know right, what I mean? Right, right. All that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely in. and and it, I like to have. There's like a lightheartedness to this trailer as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that I thought it was just had, it had such a nice tone to it, where you're like, yeah, I I I'm interested in these people. I I want to go on this ride. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the, you know, and it looks like they've got a they've done a good job of you know we've got a couple different people that we're gonna follow, just like a documentary normally does. But every single one of them was like, oh yeah, I could. I could watch that person too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like we look like we have some experts and then some kind of developers and, you know, so right. it's, we kind of run the gamut of, of all the parts that go into creating this world, you know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, which is what you, which is what a doc is supposed to kind of do, you know, introduce you to this stuff. And sure. Um, but there was also, there was a funness to it. Like, I mean, that's how the trailer ends, right? Uh, this is, this is kind of fun, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would I would agree uh, with the trailer that uh, I'm 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 excited to kind of go down this road. Yeah, yeah, can't can't disagree. All right, so then uh, uh, what do you give this, bro? Am I gonna do it again? <sighs> wow. Am I gonna do it again? I don't know. Only you can tell me that. <laughs> but it sounds like it. <laughs> I'm going for. I'm wow. going for. Wow, I'm going for because again, like you, you introduced us to a world that I wasn't even didn't know I was even interested in. Right now, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go on the ride. I mean, like that's what a trailer's supposed to do. It's supposed to bring me in, so I watch right. a movie. Right. Well, let's watch the movie because I'm ready. You know what I mean? Like, like and again, how the our first trailer. I keep going back to it, but like. What trailer? I don't know. I forgot it. You know what I mean? But like, <laughs> right. 
I didn't forget this. Yeah. You know? So it, it's, I know I'm going high today, but man, I just, you know, I know it's been a while. Maybe I'm, I'm a little, you know, my, my, uh, uh, I need to recalibrate. I don't know, but I'm in a good mood. I'm going for What about you? Well, uh, I, you know, you, you said it and, uh, and I can't disagree. I, I think I have to go four on this too, because it's a, it's such a feel good trailer. You know, it's not the same as like an action film where you're like, Oh yeah, I can't wait to get my butt in the seat. But I still feel like saying that yeah. I can't wait yeah. to watch this, you know? Yeah. So it's hitting me the same way, but just in a different, in a different way, but I feel the same way. I'm like, I want to watch this. I want to learn about these board games. I want to learn about these people in this process. And the trailer's done nothing but make me interested in it. So it's your heads up, bro. You're right, bro. It's a four. Like, nice. Yeah, this is, this is good. Like, uh, ah, yeah, it, it, all around. And I like that you said it, it had this feel good at the end because it really did throughout and at the end. You're just like, yeah. This is cool. <laughs> yeah, let's let's do it. You yeah, know, exactly. Let's, let's, let's watch this movie. So uh, uh, nice. All right. So Game Master gets a four from Shawnee. And uh, you're right, bro, from Vito. Our fourth and final trailer tonight, Sean, is Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, so quick synops. Yes. The story of Fred Hampton, chairman of the Illinois Black Panther Party, and his fateful betrayal by FBI informant William O'Neill. Mm. Uh, starring Danny Cools. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for uh, Daniel Kalua. Lakey Stans. <laughs> Like he said, oh, yeah, <laughs> look, wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you really shortened that good. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, yes. Yes. I guess you could go Leggy Fields, too. But I yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe Leggy Fields, like kind of yeah. like Strawberry Fields. Right. Leggy Fields forever. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and he kind of steals a little bit. Uh, Jesse Plems. Yeah, he does. Yeah, for Jesse Plemons. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Jesse Mons. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, no, of course, we got a big name in here. We can't we can't skip over. Oh, yeah. Marty Sheens. Yeah, Marty Sheens for Martin Sheen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, that's kind of all the big. Uh, it's a big hit. Well, and then we got, uh, of course, Little, little Ray. Uh, sorry, Little uh He's also in Get Out as well. Yes. Uh, it's Lowell, bro. Lowell, Lowell Ray. Sorry. So it's a three namer. So you got to do it. You yeah, got I can't really. Let's see here. Lil Ray. Little. And it's not Ray. Is it Ray? Oh, Lil no. Lorel. Lorel Howerly. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I can do it. Lil Roll. Yeah. Lil Roll. <laughs> Lil Roll. Lil Roll. Lil Roll. H E. I don't know. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little L. Ree. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, it's... there you go. Little L. Ree. Okay. Little See, you did it, bro. Okay. Little Rel. Little Rel. Little Rel. E. <laughs> wow. All right. Yeah, it's horrible. Um, <laughs> moving on. Yeah. Uh, what you think, bro? Uh, this is a good trailer. Like, mm. this is put together really well. Um, 
the beats, the kind of pulling you into the story, setting up the tension between what is the two main characters. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say the, the two main characters, even though, you know, um, uh, Daniel uh, Kalua is playing one of the main characters as well. But just that tension between uh, Jesse Plemons' uh, character and um, and uh, um, Lakey Stans. Lakey Stans' character. I mean, boy, man, that's it's a that's a good look already, you know. Uh, and then you put all the 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 tension, you know, of the time in there, and um, and yeah, I I just think you've got a good story with this. The pacing, the beat, the music, everything they kind of did to build it up to what it was. They didn't give us too much. I feel like they gave us just enough so I wasn't confused about anything. And uh, and then just left it on the table like, what are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do? You know? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, uh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm probably going to watch this movie. That's <laughs> what I'm going to do. <laughs> How about you, bro? What would you think? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I dug this trailer. I agree. It had, it had a good pace. It, it really kind of set it up. You know, I think, uh, the daily cools is, I think he's killing it. Like, yeah. you know, uh, you know, being, you know, being like a kind of historical, you know, figure, uh, portraying someone, you know, that's actually was a real person, you know, that's always right. a tricky thing. Sure. You know, it's that thing of, you want to give the flavor. You don't necessarily want to do like an impersonation of the person, you know, it's right. It's a fine line. Um, and I'd be interested because I don't know too much, you know, about Fred Hampton. I mean, I, I know the name, but like, I don't, I couldn't like, I'd, I'd have to, it'd be interesting to kind of go look at like real footage of him just right. to kind of compare them. Um, but it's funny. I just think as an actor, like in this whole trailer, I think Daniel was yelling to a crowd in like 90% of the trailer. Right. Um, and you know, you know, there's multiple takes of that. And like, Oh my gosh, I, I just think of like, man, my throat was hurting just watching him, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, right. I mean, not to get caught up in the technicality, like no one cares about that stuff, but you know, I just think these are things that occur to me. I'm like, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tough to keep that intensity at the whole, you know, the whole time like that. So, yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, like Jesse Plemons, I've like been a fan of his since Friday Night Lights. Um, that guy is, he's really good. Uh, and this is interesting because it's, I feel like this is, you know, him really becoming like, not, not like he hasn't been an adult before, but like, I feel like he's definitely like, okay, he's over 30 now. Like, it's not right. like, you know, young 20 something, you know, I mean, obviously when I was introduced to him, he was playing a high school kid, you know. Right. Um, and he's I think he's kind of just slowly and steadily kind of grown up. And, you know, this is an interesting him like being, you know, this FBI informant's, you know, first point of contact, you know, and right. And being the one that's kind of running the show. So uh, uh, I'm excited for him. Yeah. Um, and Lakey stands, bro. He is I, I really dig him as an actor. Yeah. Um, you know, I was introduced to him in from Atlanta. Uh, which I don't think you've seen yet. Uh, no, I haven't. Show. Um, it's, you know, it's funny. It, it's one of those, he's one of those characters in that show where you're like the first like three episodes of like, I can't stand this guy. <laughs> and then, and then you kind of fall in love with him because he's kind of a slacker, a pothead. But then he's also like kind of always kind of being pontificating, you uh -huh. know, and I'm just like, oh, this guy's driving me crazy. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, I love this guy now. Right. Um, and, you know, he's in that sorry to bother you. That oh, really uh -huh. put the nail in the coffin for me for him of like, 
this guy's legit. I really like him. Right. Uh, you know, he was in Knives Out. I thought he did a good job with that, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he's just got a cool energy to him. Um, and this is probably, probably going to be the most intense thing that I have seen him do. Um, uh-huh. You know, so I'm, I'm excited for him. And uh, I think it's going to be good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I mean, I'm in. I mean, obviously, you know, historical and, you know, obviously with everything going on in the world, I mean, this is very timely. And, um, you know, I think it's very, very interesting that, you know, you kind of you have this informant who's a black guy that's going to inform on the head of the Black Panthers. You know what I mean? Like right. so that whole thing of like, I mean, talk about the system using, you know, like using these people against themselves almost, you know, right, you know what I mean? Right. Like, like taking a victim or a person who's committed a crime and then turning them on, you know, right. Themselves. Turning them into an insider on the job, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. That's, some, that's some next level, you know, diabolical stuff right there, you know? Right. So, right. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. And then, you know, Jesse Plemons, like, you know, he, he does, he can do like that evilness like, well, you know that, like, F- and I, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see this. And okay. long story longer, I, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I have to say, I'm in too. Um, you know, this looks good. Uh, there is so much about this that I can walk away from after I see the film with high hopes of like, I'm going to learn something new. I think we, they've, they've dramatized the relationship between uh, Lakey Stans and uh, and Jesse uh, Plems uh, really well. And that kind of energy, that kind of drama in the, in a, in a, uh, in a period, kind of a period piece. Yeah. Uh, it does nothing but excite me, you know? Um, and I have to agree. I think Lakey Stans does a great job. I haven't seen him in everything, but I liked him in Knives Out. I didn't see him in Sorry uh, to Bother You, but I did see him in Short Term 12, which is fairly old at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was great in that, too. Um, So, you know, I'm just excited to see how he's going to develop, what he's done to develop this character and, and, you know, where that fits in the timeline of this movie. But, but yeah, Daniel Kaluuya, man, he is just killing it as far as I'm concerned. You know, just completely lost in the character. I mean... As the trailer went on, I saw less and less of what I believed was Daniel Kaluuya and saw more and more of, you know, what I believe Fred Hampton was, you know, back in the day. Right. Uh, obviously not knowing anything about anything. So, um, but yeah, this is just a, this is just a good look all the way around. I, I, I'm, I'm just so excited to kind of see everybody doing, doing their thing. And I think that, um, you know, other than, I, I really appreciate when a film like this puts in a bunch of you know youthful and i don't mean that from a young standpoint but youthful actors people that we haven't seen we had martin sheen in this but i i honestly if i saw him in the trailer i've quickly forgotten him because i don't you know he's playing the president obviously but um i don't remember them necessarily pointing him out in the trailer you know right so uh i'm just excited to see what's gonna happen in all this there's an intensity to this that i love um, it made me kind of like, oh yeah, man, the, I feel the tension of the time and, uh, and then add on to that, the tension between these two characters and just seeing where those guys are going to go with it and how their characters are written. Ah, uh, it's a good look, just a good look. And then just to kind of, you know, beat a, another dead horse, mm. um, our first trailer 
they took a genre, a movie we've seen a hundred times, and essentially just kind of repeated it. Right. This one is taking, you know, a story we've seen informant stories before. Sure. You know what I mean? Like this isn't like a new story, but it's see again, it's an interesting, it's like instead of just doing the, you know, Fred Hampton biography story, right. We're gonna take it like the title says, from Judas's point of view. Right. You know, much like Jesus Christ Superstar, where it's all from Judas's point of view, you know? Right. So it's like this thing of like, you know, I remember like when you think about Judas, it's like, well, somebody had to do this in a way, right? Like, yeah. In order for the greater good to get happy, you know? So I think there's obviously with the title, I mean, maybe I'm just putting this on it, but I think there's a thing of like, that's just another layer to this thing, you know? Um, yeah. But, but also again, just you using something we know and then making it, different and new uh, absolutely so so hats off to uh to this director who looks like it's going to be uh, a success we also say you know ryan coogler is uh, uh as a producer on this right uh, who obviously directed black panther and oh well, you know our favorite creed yeah uh, so uh i think he's got his hands on this too and that, that guy's just smart uh he Super knows what smart. he's doing knows yeah. what he's doing and you know this is a good way to get this story out there Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, bro. Then uh, here comes the big question. Mm. Where do you give this? I don't know that this has ever happened before, bro. <laughs> For you. Oh, my God. I already know where you're going. <laughs> I got to go four again. Wow. I wow. mean, like, like it's a four, you know, yeah. like here's again, like a, a name I kind of know, Fred Hampton, you know, I should know more, but I don't because I suck at history. Right. But, you know, so here's a, and here's a story that I'm interested in seeing purely based on this trailer. Right. Uh, and, you know, like this is not going to come and go for me. You know, I'm definitely going to see this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, probably w within the first couple of weeks of it coming out, depending, I mean, obviously this is going to be a streaming thing. Um, no. But, you know, well, I, I'm, I'm excited but, to see it. Yeah. Well, but here's the thing, bro. On the on the trailer itself it says only in theaters. Oh so, really? Yeah. So oh, that throws a whole new level on this. And I don't know, you know, obviously this trailer uh um let me take a look here. I just want to confirm. Uh trailer came out August sixth, was published by Warner Brothers. So they're planning on doing a release in movie theaters. Oh interesting. So okay. Oh, there's that. There's a layer to that now that I'm like. Well, it says 2021 here. I'm looking. So I mean, oh, when's that gonna? So so this is actually not even until, until next year. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh yeah uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so then we're okay. hoping by then the, all this uh, COVID stuff has calmed down and we can get our butts in the seat for this. Yeah. So you know, it's a four for me. How about you, bro? Ah uh, well, I think. I might just have to give you another, you're right, bro. Wow. Because, yeah, this is a four, man. It's an intense trailer, and it did, it, it balanced, it had that nice balance of just kind of giving me the story, setting things up, making everything super interesting, and then just letting it go and being like, mm, what are you going to do again, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. I, and the only thing, the only answer I can come up with is, since it's only in theaters, I mean, obviously, next year, hopefully, you know, things aren't still crazy and I can go watch it in the movie theaters because I think this is going to be a really good look, man. I, I'm yeah. just super excited about this. 
Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a four from it's a four from me, bro. All right. So Judas and the Black Messiah gets a four from Shawnee. And another, you're right, bro, from Vito. Have we ever had three fours in an episode? I don't think we have ever had three fours. Maybe two. Maybe. But But not not three. Uh -uh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's a good, well, it's just good trailers. And I mean, it's so funny. In, In a time where you're like, well, what's coming out? Like, is there any movies anymore? And it's like, oh, yeah, there's still... They got a bunch in a can still. Yeah, yeah. Boy, (laughs) next year is going to be is going to be movie heavy next year. I guess that is it, my friend. That is absolutely like us on the Facebook and on Instagram, Twitter, like us on a Facebook. You know, you go to Facebook and you hit like. That's what you do. (laughs) (laughs) You do. (laughs) Uh, Maybe head over to YouTube. Yeah, Dreamcast reaction video yeah. Uh, channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can hit, you can hit subscribe there, and mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, you can hit the little notification bell. Ding ding. So, so that uh, you know, every time we post up a new video, you get a little notification that there's something new to watch. Wait, wait. We post up a video? Wait, hold on. Well, you can go watch videos until we post a new one up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then since you're already on the podcast app, oh yes, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, please uh, like, subscribe, and give us the click. All the oh, way, way to the right. right. <laughs> Five stars up, bro. That's right. And then interact with us. You know, we're we're a bunch of jackasses. So, <laughs> but you knew we, that already. You knew that already. That's why you're here. <laughs> or maybe it's not. But now, now it is. So there you go. There you um, go. So anyway, guys, uh, as always, we appreciate you listening in. Listen to us jibber-jabber. Jibber-jabber. And uh, we appreciate all the support. Uh, hang in there, guys. We've got more episodes coming uh, as we get ourselves together after this COVID-19 craziness that's been happening. Uh, we hope that you guys are staying safe. Again, keep Keep, don't just think of yourself in this. Think of others. Put your face mm. mask on and Do just it. make sure you're washing your hands and don't spread that virus around because it's already taken a lot of lives, guys. Let's let's just uh, let's just be safe. So until next time, guys, go watch movies and watch trailers. Trailer up, bro. Trailer up. <laughs>